Rogers, who the only place he's going to take it to is the toilet bowl. And then you got Brett Favre, who will take it to the Super Bowl. I do like me a triple butter burger with cheese in the works, you know, ketchup, mustard, pickles. Could the package be really good? Yeah, I, I certainly would love that. But also, to say that, is this look like a rebuild? Probably. If you think we're in a rebuild, then you got the wrong team. QB1, man. Come on, man. Best Come QB on. in the league right What's here. What's up, man? John Money? What's up, guys? This is Jeff Janis. And Janis does not stop at all. Please. What a cat. That's insane. You're listening to the Poor Man's Packers Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Poor Man's Packers Podcast, the one Packers Podcast in the state of our minds. I am Spencer, joined this week with Billy and Todd Boys. Hello, hello. Greetings, gentlemen. And after a long delay... The season is unfortunately over. Packers losing 21-24. to Again, sorry for the delay. You know, it was kind of a short week. Uh, I, I had to go to Mexico on Thursday of that week, and work was busy and stuff, and emotionally, I guess we were recovering. But, yeah, Packers lose. Kind of a heartbreaker. You know, it's after, like, that first week, you know, the first couple days, it's like, oh, I'm kind of sad, not super sad, you know, it's just another kind of heartbreak playoff loss for the Packers, but especially after the Lions lost the way they did, I feel like I'm just, everything's fresh, it feels, I'm good now, I'm completely over it, uh, but we did watch the game together, so I think we can briefly, we're going to briefly go over the game and shit, we'll obviously talk about the new defensive coordinator, We'll talk about uh, you know the off season fire and Darren. God, I always I've talked so much about uh, Darren Rizzi. Yeah, that Chris Gizzy, the athletic trainer who got fired. I keep mix matching the names of those two, but we'll talk about the off season preview that a bit. Blah blah blah. Look at the draft. But yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if, if if no one wants to hear us talk about the game. We'll try to make it quick. But we're gonna start there and then more. You know recent events we'll talk about after that so starting things off hey packers lost wasn't fun we watched the game together at lynn lake that saturday night and what a zoo it was crazy it was i mean it was a zoo so i got a beer before todd you got there and it literally took me 40 minutes to get a beer the place got so filled filled up it was a it's a brewery in uptown minneapolis where literally the the line wrapped around the bar and went to the door and it took me 40 minutes to get a beer but outside of that it was the most fun i think i've had watching a packer game like at a yeah. bar even though <clears throat> we ended up losing like i i go back to and i was telling the guys in mexico this uh like when they showed the replay of the eric wilson fumble recovery that was like the loudest cheer of the night, I feel like. Where it's like, oh, ah! we're just an incredible play that we're never going to get to really talk too much about in the future. I feel like it's going to be like the Jeff Janis Hail Mary. Yep. But try, we tried the Rumplement shop shots too. I've talked about that in the past, how getting a round of Rumplement shots caused the Des didn't catch it. And the, uh, the, the Jeff Janis Hail Mary, too. Like, we took a round of rumplement shots on that drive, and it ended up working. We tried it at halftime. Did not work, but I don't know. What Did you guys have as fun watching the game, at least, until the last six minutes as I did? Because I, I had a shit ton of fun. I had a lot of fun. It was, you're right, when you walk in, it looked like a game of Snake, the line to get a beer. It was like when you've been playing Snake 
for like 30 minutes <laughs> and you just have to like go around in circles until and hope they show up in the middle. It was like that. Um, I had a lot of fun. The atmosphere was really good. There was like one, uh, there was one guy in like a Baltimore Lamar Jackson oh, jersey who was guy. like chirping every time. Something, well, it was like one time. Um, yeah, yeah. He started that like was kinda... a chant. I feel better about the Ravens <laughs> losing now. now he started chanting. It was just him though, but it was yeah. he was the only one chanting. Mm-hmm. So, um, but no, it was a good atmosphere. Um, it was impossible to get a beer. Um, which was a little bit of a bummer, but other than that, they had like one bartender working and like one person washing dishes they, they had, and gathering cups. They had two bartenders, and the one guy was pretty much just washing cups and getting glasses. It was that was a little bit tough, but yeah. aside yeah. from that, great atmosphere. The fans around us were great. It was it was a lot of fun. There's something to be said for watching a game in an environment like that, and especially a big game, right? A playoff game, winner go home. Just watching it with a room full of... I mean, we probably exceeded the fire code that yes. night. Yeah, we were uh, just that many Packers fans. And, I mean, shoot, before the game when Michael Strahan picked Green Bay to win, like there was a yeah. huge roar that came up. It's like the game hasn't even started yet, and these, these guys are into the game. So that was amazing. Um, but, yeah, re- really disappointing that we can come out with a win, but... I mean, all in all, I think you have to call the season a, a success, right? Like, there's no way that anybody considers this season a failure. Yeah, that's the thing, too. Like, leaving, it's like, God, I'm really pissed. But even with the way things went, and I would have felt pretty confident going into the game. But the thing I was thinking about, too, is, you know, we we killed the Lions on Thanksgiving. But that was a short week. And I would think Ben Johnson would have came up with a pretty good game plan to go up against Joe Barry. And if we lose that game, the heartbreak would have been even worse than it was. Which, I mean, God, I, I think we said it then. Like, going into the game, I was like, I think we'd w- Like, I felt like we were going to win. I felt like we were going to win that game until the last six minutes after Andres missed that field. He missed the field guy. I look up at how much time's left. And I'm like, oh, yep. fuck. We're, we're going to lose this, aren't we? But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just still very, very optimistic with everything going on. Oh, God, I was going to add something else there too, but I don't know. Todd, do you have anything else on? I think just on the season, like I don't, I'm trying to think of like a season prior where I've been, I felt more, more excited going into the off season. Like this was, <clears throat> this season in general was just like a huge victory for the franchise and for the fans where it's like, we got our quarterback, like going into the season, there were, Jordan Love stands, but like, <clears throat> I don't think there was any evidence going into the season that like he was the guy. Like, none of us had any evidence that he was the guy. It Even was through it was five the ten, weeks, six the ten weeks. passes against the Eagles was like the <clears throat> most positive. That was it. And, and Tom Clemens and it was garbage with the time. Big two things. Yeah, it was it, garbage time too. So like, you don't know. Like guys show up in mm-hmm. preseason all the time and play great too. The fact that we got Jordan Love out of this season, we got to see what he can do, and there's so much left to improve on his game also, too. Like, just little things that you see him, like, every week. It's like, oh, yeah, like, he can create in this way, too, and he's hitting guys on that jet route that motions up, right? Like, stuff like that, too, that's, like, super exciting. So, biggest win, getting Jordan Love, these young Packers wide receivers and pass catchers, including the tight ends, I mean, this offense is ready to go, right? Like, this is going to be exciting. And, oh, now I remember. Going into the game, I felt like if we played that game ten times, we'd win four of them. After the game, I'm like, we'd win six of them. Like, I feel like we were the better team than the, than the Niners in that matchup. And back to watching the game, too, 
like the last few years and maybe it's just me becoming more cynical and the podcast and you, you know it almost turns a little bit into kind of a job just because you know we talk about it after and i gotta remember things i felt like a fan again like i think like i was getting heated i was jumping up and i was running around and todd i was yelling at you i'm like brock purdy isn't good he just isn't good and it sucked at the end you know when darnell savage dropped that pick i was at the bar finally and i slammed my hat on the bar and looked like a crazy person and of course that play obviously and yelled at a darnell savage wearing fan (laughs) i i pointed at him was like you and then he came up and dapped me up so i was like okay i guess we're we can be friends so i don't know Billy? The thing about a game like that is if we go in and we lose 27 to 10 or something, like nobody right. feels that bad about it leaving. It's okay, they're the number one seed. We were playing with house money. We're on the road, whatever. Did the weather help keep us in the game? I think so. Yes. In, in all honesty, like I think that's had a lot to do with Brock Purdy playing the way he did. But small hands. You know, mm. we just. It only seems like we lose heartbreakers in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. You know, we either lose absolute heartbreakers or we get absolute boat raced like in the 16 NFC Championship. There is no middle ground where we just lose by two touchdowns and the other team is is just better. Yeah, like even the 2011 loss to the Giants like heart, is hardly on the radar even though we were 15 and 1 because we really didn't have much of a chance in that game once it started, but uh yeah. Getting into the game here, we'll try to cruise through it as much as possible. Packers losing twenty-one to twenty-four. I don't. It kind of felt like the Bears game to end the season almost, where I know we were. It felt like we were moving the ball and in control, but the points just really weren't there. Uh, Jordan Love didn't have a great game, probably his worst game since what the Giants game, maybe through the two picks. The one behind Tucker Craft was bad where he tipped up and it got picked off. And once again, ending a game with a late throw over the middle to Christian Watson, who's in triple coverage. And Bill, I think you said this too. Like, Love is running out and he just throws it. I'm like, there's someone wide open. There's someone wide open. No, there was not anyone wide open. The season ended with that pass there. And it sucked because it's like, I think that was first or second down. And all we needed was a fucking field goal. It's like, God, Jordan, just a couple, just a little things here and there. I don't know what you're doing. Um, The frustrating thing for me, real quick, was the two interceptions came on, the first came on a throw that I haven't seen Jordan Love make since, I mean, the middle of the season. Yeah. And the last pick came on a throw, or a decision rather, that he hasn't made since the beginning of the season. Like, he was playing so well. He was so on the money, dialed in. And then when it matters the most, and again, the weather wasn't great, but to throw high and behind a guy like that coming over the middle is a bummer. And then just making that decision. And he said it immediately after, like he, he can't make that throw. So one of the mortal immediately. Yeah. And I think the vast majority of his picks this year have came when he's targeting Christian Watson, who again, something else he, he outsnapped, Dontavion Wicks in the game. He had 55% of the snaps, and I get the speed and everything, and that kind of stretches the field, and it's a new element that the defense has to look for. But when you're rolling with the guys he had, I don't know why you're forcing a guy on the field like that. Now, Wicks didn't end up with any receptions, but They had just as many targets, though. Yeah, and at least Watson, the one target that he had, that little screen, was a first down, but whatever. And then Love, too, in the second half, he, he missed Aaron Jones on that third and two. Fuck, that was a backbreaker too. Because if we pick that up, that's probably points as well. But 
And then the, the spots, I don't want to get into the refs. So the third down spot was probably was worse. One. I mean, the fourth down spot was pretty bad. I hate the, the call there for the tush push either way. And then I, I rewatched it. You go back that same drive. It was the end of the first quarter. They flipped the field after. The second down spot was bad, too. It, Aaron Jones had a nice play on second and 10. It should have been like second or a third and half a yard. And it was a full yard. I don't know. Whatever. We're, you know, it's so, it's so long ago now. Um, the Bo Milton touchdown was very cool. They kind of faked a screen, and he was wide-ass open. That was fun. Um, Christian, okay, we talked about Christian Watson. Tucker Kraft had a touchdown, took several steps, and then he spiked the ball. I thought that was fun. And Aaron Jones, again, I think that was his fifth game in a row with over 100 yards uh, rushing. The 57-yard run was very cool. I love the little spin at the end where he got like an extra 10 yards. He also had the two-point conversion. And something else that a lot of people talked about was Zach Tom going out with that concussion. We were talking to because what Debo got tested for con- concussion came back. Tucker got tested for concussion. And when they showed Tucker on the sideline, he was like wincing and one of his eyes were closed. And I'm like, oh, fuck. He looks like he's concussed, but he ended up coming back in the game. But Zach Tom, those last four drives when he were was out was when the Packers, I don't think they put up any points on those drives. Maybe a field goal. I, I do not remember, but uh, not good. No, not no a, field goals. No field. Yeah. Oh, just the extra points. That's all. All it was. Didn't he have like a... I don't know. It doesn't fucking matter. Whatever. We lost the game. Defense. Got Devondre Campbell. He was bad. I just... I hate that I don't like him now because of how great he was that first year. What a fun story it was. But God, not a great year for him. Taken on Twitter saying he's not going to play through injuries. And I kind of wish he didn't now either. There was that one play where they throw it out in the flat to Kittle. And Devondre just like... All he had to do was push him out of bounds. It should have been... a a pickup of nothing or a very small gain, and it was a first down pickup. It's like Devondre, what are we doing? It How about be that the play tough. where he had a wide open shot at the unabated to the quarterback, oh. and he just like stutter stepped like laterally and didn't hit him. Yeah, that was that was fucking frustrating too. I forgot about that one. God damn it! And then I mean, we touched on it too the Darnell Savage. I mean, he had the cool pick six against Dallas, but once again, like I said, against the Bears, he just doesn't play. Like a guy I want playing safety for my football team. Dropped the pick. He was in coverage on the Kittle touchdown, which it seems like that was Anthony Johnson Jr.'s fault more than Savage. But then the Christian McCaffrey touchdown too, where he just... <sighs> these guys in the secondary just love to play hockey when they're trying to make tackles. I, I just do not get it. Keyshawn Nixon also had a ball he probably could have picked off. Not the best. And again, like I said at the top, Brock Purdy just... I was just yelling. He's just not good. In the rain, the small hands, it wasn't working. I mean, the only real pass he had, it felt like, was that Ayuk won in triple coverage on that final drive. That was the one where I was like, fuck, okay. Like, he yep. he finally earned it once. And, it, uh, you know, that final drive, too, like, guys were making plays around him. Couldn't really get too pissed off. And, of course, Joe Barry was breaking all the way down until they let that touchdown go in, which I was kind of happy with. At least it gave us a shot. I'm, I, right. I'd much rather have the season end with us getting the ball back with some time and there being a chance than there being like 10 seconds or whatever it would yeah. have been. And How many hopeless. seasons in the last 10 years have ended with Aaron Rodgers not getting a shot to go back on the field, right? Like, that's tough. Yeah. So, the I'd, last- I'd honestly rather see him go through a shitty – cross the field like a ball we know he shouldn't throw he knows he shouldn't throw like have mm-hmm. that happen and like at least it was in our hands yeah because i mean the last time we played the niners in the playoffs too we lost on the field goal attempt 
And then when uh, in the 2013 playoffs, 2014, no, 2013 playoffs, at Lambeau lost on a field goal attempt as well. Uh, something else to throw out there. I know a lot of people got on Rashawn Gary in the second half of the year. wasn't very good for him. But he did have two big plays in this game. I thought he was in on a sack or forced a sack on third down. And then he tipped a ball on third down, which is, yep. you know, turnover, essentially turnover causing plays. So for my, you know, I, I would say if he you know earned the money, at least in this game. Um, and then special teams. Colby they're Wooden, special. They're, it, God, it kind of sucks because I obviously don't like Rich Passaccia. Bitch about him a lot this year. And obviously everyone's focusing on Anders and that miss. But Colby Wooden, I believe, had the blocked field goal. That was pretty cool. Keyshawn Nixon with that kick return was fucking, I was jumping, hooting and hollering. And then he fumbled and everyone's like, ah. But of course, Eric Wilson jumping on it, saving the day. The captain for the game, too. I think he was captain more than anyone else on the team this year. Um, so we'll see if he comes back. Uh, and then, yeah, even the, what else was it? Oh, yeah, again, I, I really thought we were winning the game until the missed field goal. And then as soon as you see six minutes left, it's like, ah, oh, that's right. We're the Green Bay Packers. We're going to lose to the 49ers in the playoffs. So uh, that's it. That's the game. Season's over. Any final thoughts on the game? I don't know. Again, I don't think we need to hash too much with this game. Nothing. Uh. Yeah, Jordan Love just didn't play like himself in the second half, I think. is That's really what it comes down to. I shouldn't say the whole second half. He did score the two touchdowns early in the third quarter. After that, it was kind of... I think if we get Jordan Love for for a whole four quarters and maybe Darnell or Keyshawn Nixon pick those balls off, <sighs> either one. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to go into Anders, but I think if, if any one of those things happens, we win the game. It was that close. I mean, we controlled the ball more than they did. Um, you take away the last couple minutes of the game and, you know, we controlled it by three minutes, right? So it's like, I mean, we we were pretty impressive for a seven seed going up against a one seed, right? Oh, I mean, that's that 100%. Was impressive. I, I mean, going until the, the NFC championship between Detroit and San Francisco – Every team that won the playoff or the turnover battle in the playoffs won the game. That's right. And we lost the turnover battle two to nothing. And that was, I mean, really the difference in the game. We had a shot at a pick on Purdy. We didn't take advantage. And San Francisco took advantage of a couple of interceptions. So that's the ball game. And, you know, that Dallas game we were talking how reminiscent it was to playoff games in the past. This one, not not a Packer game, but that last pick was so reminiscent, and I'm sure people saw the side-by-side of Favre with the Vikings against the Saints, where just <laughs> across the field, just a bad decision. Those never get up. old. The Ugh. Favre and Rodgers comparisons to love. I know. it. It's nice, and I guess we haven't said this this year because we've obviously bitched about the comparisons, but it's so nice that that's what we're upset about with the quarterback True. right that's now. It's like, point. ah, let's quit talking about the other great quarterbacks we've had in the past, but... Yeah, good season. I think we'll probably review it more in the in the future here later on in the offseason, but hard to get too pissed off, especially with, I mean, moving on to the next thing. Eh, should we have a break first? Yeah, 20 minutes. Eh, we'll have a quick commercial break. All right, and we are back with Joe Barry is gone. Joe Barry is gone. He was fired. I am very happy. I was pretty optimistic. I think People, a lot of people were pessimistic after the game, like, oh, shit, Joe Barry's definitely going to be back, blah, blah, blah. But that last presser the day after, LaFleur spoke very very highly of Adam Stenovich, Tom Clemens, Rich Basaccia, 
And then when they got to Joe Barry, he's like, I still got to talk to my staff. I, st- I haven't talked to my staff yet. And I'm like, eh, I really like what, I like the vibe when, of this. When did the report come out that he actually had a four-year deal? Like, I think all along, everyone was assuming that his three years was up. Like, we, we didn't three. need to fire him. He was just going to be, yeah. just walk him off into the sunset, change the key code at Lambeau or whatever. And then it's like, oh, actually, he has another year at least. Yeah, that was... The, and, I mean, we talked about that too because Rob Domofsky was the one who originally brought that up because, and he never said that's what it is. He was kind of making an assumption, but he said Mike Pettin and the position coaches usually get three-year deals. So they were under the assumption it was a three-year deal. Now, maybe he got some type of extension, which I don't know why or how they would have done that. Maybe, I think they were talking, that's how like Jerry Gray left too, like a year or two before your your contracts up you can extend it and maybe that's what happened but i don't i don't know if you need to get into the semantics of that but either way joe barry gone very happy with that we'll obviously talk about our new dc pretty quick and again the best thing about our new dc right now jeff halfley is his approval rating is already higher than joe barry's ever was when we hired joe barry it was mental gymnastics from the start because we were like, well, he's from a good system. I know he's been a, been a bad defensive coordinator, so I'm glad we're at least beyond that at this point. Uh, someone else who got fired, as I mentioned, Chris Gizzy. <laughs> it was, and I didn't think he was actually going to get canned or anything. You know, a lot of fans like ask for the training staff and shit to get canned when injuries pop up. But... A couple of days after the season was over, um, I think the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel wrote about how Christian Watson and Eric Stokes were going to visit uh, the University of Wisconsin to see their hamstring specialist. And it's never good when you send someone yeah. out of the building to see a different specialist. And sure enough, a couple days later, Chris Gizzy, who was the, the guy who ran out after September 11th with the American flag, and he had a really cool handle. Well, I'm sure he maybe still does. Handlebar mustache. But moved on from him. No word yet on who who we've hired. But uh, I don't think anyone's going to really have any. You know, we didn't know the, our defensive coordinator when that was announced, his name. So I don't think anyone's going to know who the new athletic trainer is. Todd, you got something? Nope. Oh, okay. Well, look, you wanted to say something. But anyways, moving on. The new defensive coordinator. Nice. You know, it was like about 10 days or so. With the interview news coming out, I'm glad we didn't have a podcast then to talk about guys who were completely irrelevant. Matt LaFleur brought in a couple of guys from the Baltimore Ravens coaching staff. He talked to Brandon Staley. He did actually talk to Wink Martindale as well, which wasn't reported, but they did eventually settle on. Oh, and then, of course, you know, Chris Parker, who was kind of reported. As Side note. Offered the job. We'll talk about that for take news. But then out of nowhere, on Wednesday evening, afternoon, Jeff Halfley, the at the time head coach of uh, Boston College, which was kind of int- at first right away. I'm like, what? Who? And I'm like, yeah. Right away, it's like, huh? But the more you dig into this guy, I think you get more excited. First of all, you know we've seen the clips of him talking at Ohio State, or you know when he was with the Niners, and this guy comes off as pretty smart, and he seems like a good leader good speaker you know he was obviously a head coach which is nice he was only a co uh defensive coordinator at ohio state he does have seven years of experience in the nfl as a defensive back coach and he was at boston college for the four years i don't know i i like him 
I know, and we we were texting last night, but he's technically more of a four three guy. But I think that's gonna probably get more hype than it really should, just because eighty percent of the time now the league is in a nickel defense. So we'll see. I mean, I'm sure maybe Gary and LVN will, you know, they, they can improve just having their hand in the dirt once again, which they really were great at that in college. But I don't know. Opening thoughts. What are what are your guys' thoughts on this hire here, Todd? He. I just through perusing through Twitter and trying to find as much as I could uh, on this guy. Uh, ben Fennel has a nice little thread <clears throat> that I look through and some really interesting stats on there. But but to summarize it all, it's just basically that this guy's going to run a lot of or a lot more blitz packages and he's going to be more aggressive and there's going to be more man is what it seems like. So I think that that's really exciting based on our personnel and i think having the four three or what will essentially be like a four two you know because we'll be a nickel and then um i think that's i think that's exciting just based on the pressure that he brings a lot of times with those two or brings a safety down there's a lot of cool information out there that people are putting out on twitter right now of just like how aggressive he is and the way that he moves his coverages and stuff like that is kind of interesting. And basically making the offense react to you versus sitting back and reacting to the offense. Like granted. And I think, I think if you look at his recent history, like Boston college doesn't have the athletes that Ohio state does, but when he implemented that scheme at Ohio state, they were amazing, right? That was that 2019 Ohio state defense. That was unreal. So like, I think if the right guys are in place, this could be a really successful opportunity, but it's kind of like makes me feel a little bit like Dom Capers, where it's like if we don't quite have the guys or we don't quite get that pressure, like we could get burned. So it's the opposite of Joe Barry's defense. There could be some chunk plays, you know, but in general, quarterbacks that can't handle the pressure, like it'd be really fun to watch the defense dominate. So that's it's it's exciting. I think I had kind of a similar reaction. My first thought was, who in the hell is this guy? Because it it wasn't anybody that the media talked about. And then, so I wasn't near my computer when I got the news. I was at a conference for work. So I'm literally just getting the news from, you know, friends texting me. It's like, oh, it's Jeff Halfley. Who? (laughs) Head coach at Boston College. And I'm like, so we, we hired the dude that Boston College fired? That didn't make me feel good. And then come to find out, no, he was actually at Boston College, mm-hmm. had some success, took him to a couple of bowl games, was at Ohio State, had, like you said, a terrific defense at Ohio State. And granted, Ohio State had some really damn good players in 2019. Boston College, probably not so much. Um but the one thing that I saw in reading up on him after the fact was that his defenses are always good at communication. Like they don't have a lot hmm. of breakdowns and how often, and I mean, not only under Joe Barry, but Mike Pettin and, you know, Dom Capers later on were there defensive breakdowns where there are guys pointing and, you know, trying to figure out who the hell made the mistake. I mean, shit, we just talked about it in the, the recap of San Francisco Savage versus Anthony Johnson jr. So if we can just get rid of the the miscommunications, the miscues, the mental errors, and be a little bit more aggressive, I mean, I'm optimistic. I'm not going to say that this is a home run hire just because I don't know enough about the guy, but 
I feel better, and I, I mentioned this in the group chat yesterday, I feel better, even if we move to a 4-3, of having Van Ness and Gary in a 4-3 under Halfley than having Van Ness and Gary in a 3-4 under Joe Barry. So I guess that's a win. People have talked to how and what we've kind of asked for and what we expected a little bit going into the year is Koi Walker's role. I know a lot of people have talked about Jair as well, but if we do some of that stuff and you just make Quay that guy in the middle of the field who ranges around and if we can actually, you know, we talked about how later on where it seems like Matt took over the defense a little bit more after the Carolina game and he publicly said he was going to be a little bit more involved, we did start blitzing more. And then there was times we're watching blitzes. I, I don't know if Devondre Campbell's a great example, but there was times with Quay too where they rush and you're like, that's not the – he didn't really blitz the right way. Maybe now if we actually practice blitzing and just have those looks in practice, we'll be, we'll be able to actually create more pressure on those plays as well. Um, but it, it seemed like sometimes we had an open man at the quarterback like uh, Campbell against San Francisco, yeah, and yeah. for whatever he, reason, he just doesn't get there. Well, Do the, you guys happen to know who the linebacker was that's on the team that played for – Halfley? Oh, yeah. Isaiah McDuffie, of course. And yeah. he had a lot of success under under uh, Halfley also. Yeah. It, speaking about guys missing, too, Devonta Wyatt. He's like the quintessential guy who gets pressure but cannot finish a sack. Um, the other thing, I know we touched on it, too, for dictating, but Halfley's a big press corner guy as well, which is fun. I'm, If nothing else, it sounds like we, we aren't going to have the pussy shit on third down where we just play off. So I'm very, very excited about that. Another thing on top of it is the things Richard Sherman said, which you guys probably saw as well, where he had only great things to say. He said he's been around a lot of smart coaches in the NFL, and he's among the smartest. He also said that they would give them looks in practice that they would literally see on game day. So it's just, again, where, and again, dictating, just dictating. And, Again, I'm a dumb fan, and it, reading about this guy, too, and he's kind of said this, where when you press, you can eliminate half of the route tree. It's like, yeah, if you just press a guy, and it, obviously it's going to take some practice, too, but like my favorite player growing up was Al Harris, and that's where he made his bread and butter, was just making disruptions at the line of scrimmage and forcing guys to do what they don't want to do, get that timing off, and that just never was really the case with Joe Barry. Well, and it seems like we have the personnel for it already almost. I mean, Jair Alexander is, he is physical on receivers. I mean, we've seen him multiple times shut down Justin Jefferson. And then Eric Stokes maybe isn't the most physical. Number one, he has to stay healthy, but he also has the makeup <laughs> speed so that if he misses mm -hmm. at the line of scrimmage, he can get back in the play and make a play on the ball. So it, it's not like we don't have the personnel that we can't play this. So that. That's what makes playing the zone defense or back the, the 10 yards on third and four even more frustrating. I semi-feel like Eric Stokes <clears throat> is going to be a much better press corner. Just the, he's, he's long a little bit. Like, I don't know if he ever, in college, if he was a press corner or not, but like he reminds me a little bit of Devon House. And when Devon House left the Packers and he went to the Jaguars and he played press corner, he had actually a really good year. Two years maybe after that where he actually yeah, I, th I think he was good for one year, then he <clears throat> fell off. I know Is he didn't, was? I know he didn't play through the entire contract that he got. Just reminds me a little bit of like the body shape and size. Yes. Where it's like long, lean. He's faster than Devon House, but like <clears throat> he could be a good press corner. Who knows? I mean, at this point with 
Eric Stokes, anything we get out of him is a bonus. You can put him in just a cast, just preemptively. <laughs> yeah. Put him in boots and walk him out there. Bubble yeah. wrap, like in the Little Giants. <laughs> and then with Jeff, too, I, we touched on but the versatility. So it's it will be interesting to see what the hell he wants to run because he's never been a sole defensive coordinator. Again, he was a co-defensive coordinator at Ohio State, and Boston College was the head coach. And it's funny because I, I don't know if you guys realized the uh, there's that hour-long interview he has on YouTube with that one dude. I'm sorry, I don't remember his name. But that interview came out like three days ago when he was still the Boston College head coach. And he's talking about all that stuff. And it's funny to like watch the interview and hear his quotes now knowing he left Boston College because he's talking about how he just wants to coach defense again and how he hasn't been able to coach yep. defense and specifically defensive backs. So it's... It's one weird again, like you said, Billy, and I think I had the same thought when it said Boston College quarter or uh, head coach. I assumed he didn't have a job either. It's very weird, and it goes along with Nick Saban retiring because it's probably bigger college news than it is NFL and Packers news almost. Because it's it seems like he's the first guy that's going to be leaving college football because of how much recruiting is becoming a bigger thing and even just keeping your own guys around instead of actually being a football coach. He talked about how he doesn't like the NIL and the transfer mm -hmm. portal and all that stuff. Like he said, he just wants to coach football. And I told you guys, well, if you just want to coach football, there's no better place to coach than green Bay because there isn't a whole <laughs> lot of else to do in the city. Yeah. And um, again, the versatility, he worked under Robert Sala, uh, Mike Pettin, which is pretty funny. I mean, it's he's it's one of those guys, again, you don't know anything about, but once you start reading about him, it's like he seems like a pretty, you don't want to say perfect candidate, but God, it's it it's hard not to get excited. I mean, again, he was, he was in the hot seat in November when Boston College wasn't playing very well. The other thing, and I don't know if this is a big thing, it's me and maybe my own softy Matt LaFleur brain, but leaving Boston College right now is kind of, you know, you got your players, you got the whole staff and everything, and then you bail last minute. I know, and we'll talk about it with Take News, how it wasn't reported, but it couldn't be reported that he was interviewing. Because if you're interviewing when you already have a job, that's pretty fucking bad for the college that you're at. So, I don't know. It, his first, his introductory press conference is going to be... I'm very much looking forward to that, especially with how fucking terrible Joe Barry was in front of the media. Because again, like even just the clips I've watched, like I've the football, the the amount of football this guy knows is so much more than Joe Barry ever talked about. Because Joe Barry, when he played a, he had them play a passive defense, and even in talking about football, he was just so passive and just talked about very vague things. Where I'm very excited to finally have someone who seems like an incredibly smart dude leading a room so i i'm very much looking for i wonder when they're going to introduce him it's got to be pretty quick here but uh yeah you guys have anything else he, he's not buddies with matt lafleur that was kind of the report last night but tom silverstein and jason wildy both said that he's he's not really friends with matt lafleur it's more so he's a friend of a friend you know, like know? acquaintance type level person yeah like <laughs> someone maybe you've you go to a bachelor party and he's like one of those guys who you hung oh. out with once and then you're like oh, okay well that was fun goodbye see you later um the other thing to talk about is and this is what i was as the longer it went on i'm like i don't like how this is going because of the defensive position coaches and i know i harp on the position coaches 
on this podcast more than I probably should, but it got me thinking, and this is before we hired him, because obviously Matt doesn't like firing guys. Matt LaFleur has never fired a defensive position coach since taking over in 2019. Jason Simmons was a DB coach, and they kind of mutually separated because he went to Carolina to coach with Matt Rule, who he coached with in college. We had uh, Mike Smith, who left after his contract was up, went to Minnesota with Mike Pettin, and then obviously Jerry Gray, who went to Atlanta and is also the associate head coach as well. So Tom Silverstein, in his piece last night with this, did report that Joe Barry was not allowed to make any defensive coaching decisions with his staff, which is a little fucked, and you feel a little bad about Joe because one, obviously we all wanted him fired, but it's not like the defense was terrible this year. It just was very inconsistent, and I don't think anyone felt good about it. But it's like, Matt, buddy, we gotta we gotta get rid of some. Let's and J- Wildy and Silverstein both said they believe there's going to be staff changes this time. And I really hope so. I don't know who. Again, we're just fans, so it's not like we know who's great on this coaching staff. But a guy like Jerry Montgomery, who hasn't really developed a ton of guys on the defensive line this year, was different because, you know, we finally had Carl Brooks and Colby Wooden, who did show up. But before that, I mean, fuck, who? Like, Dean Lowry wasn't a good guy. And on top of that, he's the run game coordinator. And I don't know if you know this about the Packers' defense recently, the run game on defense has not been very good. So I'm very, very curious to see what happens with that over probably the next week or so if anyone leaves. Spencer, you brought up the personnel on defense, and I kind of had the same thought as, you know, going into this even before we we hired Halfley, I was kind of thinking, boy, I wonder if we hire somebody that runs the 4-3 because – Preston Smith is a bigger outside linebacker. He's a pretty good run defender. Van Ness and Gary, like we talked about, both played the 4-3 in college. And that was one of the reasons why I didn't like Van Ness coming out in the draft this year was because he played in the 4-3 and was going to be so raw in the 3-4. And it got me thinking, like, if we have all this personnel that, to me, being a dumb fan, again, makes sense in a 4-3, were we doing Joe Barry a lot of favors, giving him this personnel and trying to shoehorn it into a 3-4? You know, we'll we'll see how things work out if we actually run a true 4-3 or if it's a hybrid or whatever the deal is. But, I mean, to your point, it just kind of makes me wonder the some of the personnel decisions and trying to fit it into the defense that Joe Barry is running. And the thing with that, too, is... What people have said is like Halfley listens to his players and plays to their strengths, yada, yada. And that's kind of what we heard about Joe Barry. But looking back now, I just feel like Joe Barry had such a basic ass defense where you're only really rushing the front five guys, like the five guys closest to the line of scrimmage, where the strongest guys are probably going to you know perform the best, where you're not really making anything too complicated so no one struggles, but at the same time, you're not scheming anything up to really get guys pressure or whatever so that'll be very interesting to see too going forward here um i don't know i'm excited what do, you, do you think there's any chance that we run the y9 <clears throat> since he did coach with sala for a couple years in san fran i don't think all three years i think he was there for three years i don't think sala was there for all three but he, he did work under sala for two years two i believe it was but was at san yeah because yeah. i know that uh god what's his name 
total Packers, I believe. God, what I can't Clayton. I believe Clayton's his name. He watched a bunch of Boston College tape, and he was showing like all the different alignments that Boston College has played. So I wouldn't rule out anything at this point. I think it's, I just think it would be interesting to see Gary from a wide nine set, and just see if that boosts him at all. Just because and ben he Ness, is, they're both athletic freaks. Because they're so athletic. That's why I'm like, because <clears throat> that's what the wide nine benefits like Nick Bosa so much because like mm-hmm. you get that tackle. He's got to in his space kick step. His, he's got to be out there, right? Like it just puts stress on those tackles. I don't know. I think I just think that that would be interesting to see us run that every now and then. Just a little creativity on defense, right? Yes. Like just show me something more than what Joe Barry was. But overall, do we do we approve of the hire? How would you guys let's uh, let's I mean, give it tentatively? A grade. We let's, don't let's know. Give it, yeah, but let's give it a grade right now. How are we feeling? Because I mean, I, I like the Mike Pettin hire when it happened. And looking back, I think we were probably too hard on him. But like Joe Barry off the jump was like D plus, C minus. And I feel like Jeff is like I don't know. I'd say a B, B plus at least. I was say B minus. Just oh, just, B minus. I just don't. It's it's gonna there's gonna be growing pains with this personnel. In certain places, like we don't have stack linebackers, like who we got to put some linebackers yeah. that play the four three. We got to get some, so like that's going to be tough. And then the running, he runs a lot of single high, which the league doesn't. Yes. The league pretty much doesn't do single high, so I don't. We'll see how he transitions that way too. Yeah, we'll I'm with see. you. I, I I was thinking a B or a B minus. Like who would have been an A in my book? Jim Leonard probably would have been an A in my book. Wink, um, Bill Belichick. It, Bill Belichick would have been an Belichick A. With I, Bill I actually, <laughs> I actually did not like Wink Martindale at all. No. Um, Why is you that? Know, the, Why don't you like him? You don't like the look of him? He's too much of a football guy. No, I just don't know that he's that. It seemed like he tried to run his system even if he didn't have the players for it. He's just going mm. to blitz every time, yeah. no matter what. <laughs> yeah. he, it's not like creative. It's You're just bringing pressure. He was never get along with Matt LaFleur either because like he left, the, he resigned from the Giants after Dable fired some of his position coaches. He was like, okay, fuck you. It's like, okay, well, Matt's probably not going to give you a bunch of like... <laughs> that was a weird thing too. Like it was, he was fired, but he's not actually fired, but actually he is fired, but... Apparently he In just all left. honesty, he just left and he just wasn't left and fired. didn't tell anyone, which is just, wild. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we'll see. I'm excited to hear what Jeff has to say whenever he actually gets to Green Bay. Something else. This is super lame. Uh, he has a daughter. Do- he has two daughters, I believe. One of them, her name is Hope. So it's Hope- lame to have daughters. No, it. I'm saying oh. Hope. Hope is on its way to uh to oh. to Green Bay. Very lame. Uh, with that, take news. Football time. Backdoor will deglaze it himself. You always twist my fucking work. I don't know why they do it, Ben. You never shit. You don't. I just can't believe I said that. Um, shoot. Take news. Take news for the week. Uh, don't think we have to talk about this too much, but I just, I just love the drama. I love the beat reporting. I, you know, I'm, I'm always rooting for the big J journalist for the most part. But got to talk about this. This is one of, once again the blogger boys versus the big J journalists. Sure, everyone saw this. Andrew Mirtag from Cheesehead TV, I think, or Pack a Day Podcast, one of the two. I don't fucking um, tweeted this out. God, almost a week ago, maybe, probably like last Friday or something. 
Based on two separate sources, Christian Parker is currently in Green Bay and I'm being led to believe has been offered the Green Bay DC job. No word on if it has been accepted. Obviously, that did not happen. Uh, no real credible source after that or reporter said anything about it for the most part. I also thought it was kind of funny how he says two separate sources and then later on, after it was found out to not be true, he said his source was bad. It's like, so were you lying? Was it one or two sources? The verbiage there of I'm being led to believe. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It's like, all right. Well, it, and uh, then and yeah. then has been offered the job, but no word if he has accepted. Like, I feel like these things go quick. Like, you're, you're offered the job, you accept it. Bam, yes. done. Well, once it went over 24 hours, I especially felt like it was BS. But at right. first, again, with Matt and the way he holds his staff, maybe a guy, if he's getting his first shot to be a DC, wants to be able to control who the position coaches are. And if Matt, once again, wasn't doing that, I could get someone moving on. And it does make you wonder, obviously, Jim Leonard wanted to stay close to home. But if Joe Barry wasn't allowed to pick his position coaches, maybe Jim wasn't allowed to either, and that's why he didn't take the job. I, I don't I don't know. Once again, I have no idea. Um, but so obviously that didn't happen. Uh, so after <laughs> after it came out yesterday that uh, Jeff was going to be the new DC, Tom Silverstein, after writing a pretty good article, also posted on Twitter, quote tweeting someone asking about the uh, the report about Christian Parker, and Tom said. Most erroneous report out there. Please don't take the word of clueless blockers. I just fucking love this. They don't have inside sources. They don't cover the team. Stick with me. I'll let you know what's what when it's time. And it's just, that is such a curmudgeon old man type type of thing to tweet out there. Like, especially with like Tom... Tom's uh, picture on Twitter is like the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel or like the Writers Guild logo. Like he's just to the point cool. of just being a, super cool. Yeah, just being a big J journalist. But I mean, he's right. That's the thing. When when it came out, it's like no one else was reporting it. You know, no one else touched on it. And I kind of agreed with Tom, I think. But then later, Justice Mosqueda, who I really respect, and he's kind of a blogger boy, whatever. But he he is credential. I believe he goes to like the combine and stuff and he has had sources in the past like he he did say that uh uh god who's the tight end who's on the giants now who is waller that the packers had interest in darren waller which did seem to be true aaron nagler also had that obviously we didn't make the trade for him packers yeah. are interested in everybody but yeah yep and then justice also said that the packers were interested in jalen hyatt potentially in the first round in last year's draft who ended up going into the third round of the Giants. So once again, not a great source, but either way, I love Justice. He's one of my favorite followers on Twitter. But Justice quote tweets Tom Silverstein and says, weird gatekeeping from the beat that collectively had zero scoops during the entire defensive coordinator search. Anyway, here's the Packers offensive playbook, and it's some article where he broke down like the whole Packers offensive playbook. But <laughs> I like that too because that tweet kind of, popped off but he also linked his article on there so good on justice for getting those extra clicks potentially but back to that it's just and we talked about at the front nobody knew Haffy was you know being interviewed because he couldn't let anyone know he was getting interviewed because he was the head coach at boston college now wink martindale we probably should have known he got interviewed which tom broke after the news happened but that I would give him one scoop there because nobody else reported that outside of Tom. But I, it's like I get Justice being upset, especially with Green Bay. I mean, we all remember Julius Peppers when he got signed with the Packers. Nobody 
saw that coming. Like I remember we went out drinking that night. I woke up super hungover on one of our buddies' couches. And they're like, the Packers signed Julius Peppers. I'm like, no, no, no. It's and then I looked, I'm like, oh, my God. Adam Schefter said he signed Julius Peppers. So these things happen, but... What side of this very important argument are you guys on? Are you on the blogger boy side or are you on the big J journalist side? Todd? I mean, <clears throat> I'm not on Tom's side. Boo. Really, ever. Come on. He's definitely a curmudgeon. Ever? And the stick with me thing, like, <laughs> what is he, like, Scar from The Lion King? Like, and with the hyenas in the background? That like, part, I'm not that solid part with was weird. <laughs> it's a weird... But... I will say, like, when it comes to scoops and having sources, if you're not close to the team and almost geographically close to the team, yes, it is very hard to have sources, right? Like, it's not easy to make connections with people if you're in California and the team is in Green Bay. Like, that just doesn't. So that reminds me. So I put out a tweet and I felt a little bad about it. Because I, I was making fun of the Parker, and this is before it came out that we hired Jeff and all that shit. But I tweeted out, it's like, yeah, this reminds me of when someone was reporting that the Packers had made an offer, offered the head coaching job in 2019 to Josh McDaniels. And I, oh, it's because I quote tweeted Zach Jacobson, who was dunking on the guy who had, who said the Christian Parker thing. And I said that. It was Zachary Jacobson who who reported back in 2019 that Josh McDaniels was offered the head coaching job. And then Zach quote tweeted me and said, well, actually, you know, I, I feel kind of bad for him because that happened to me before. And, you know, when you lose your credibility, it's hard to get it back. And I was like, I feel a little bad about saying that. But at the same time, you you he thought he you had did a, it. He thought he had the scoop on who the next coach of the Green Bay Packers was. It's like you, you do have to. And he lives in California. It's like you do have to realize who we are at times and he used to have like beat reporter in his twitter bio and shit it's like i I know we're all trying our best to like report on the packers and shit and he does write for packer report now or forbes i not forbes some other one word magazine heavy i think it's heavy whatever writes for the packers but it's just leave the big scoops to the big boys and we can find the little crumbs later on billy now i'm not on twitter anymore um but when I X. was when I was on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it these days, I followed you know the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, the Green Bay Press Gazette, Jason Wilde, Tom Demo- uh, Rob Domovsky, Tom Oates, you know all those guys. What I struggle with with bloggers is anybody and their uncle and his dentist can have a blog these days, almost like a podcast, mm-hmm. right? Huh? It, you we're, know, we're there's, way above that. there's A to Z sports blog, yeah, there's Bleacher Wendell. Report, there's Last Word on Pro Sports. It's like anybody with a computer and a keyboard and an internet connection can just go off and blast off whatever they say. And they can say sources. My mm. source could be my dog and I don't <laughs> even have a dog. But if I cite my dog... There you go. It's a valid source, and Josh McDaniels is the next head coach of the Green Bay Packers. So that's why when I was on Twitter, which I'm not anymore again, that's why I followed the big boys that I knew that I trusted because maybe these bloggers do have sources, but I don't know who does and who doesn't. So I trust the guys that have been in the game for 
way longer than these other folks. And then like Tyler Herrick from Cheesehead TV, he brought it up last night too, how a lot of big stories have kind of broke. You know, Big B was, you know, the Make-A-Wish kid who found out that Rogers had the broken thumb. But something like that's like, well, we knew how he got the information. And then there was like the report of Adams getting traded, which was a thing on Twitter, which I'm sure was probably like one of Adams' family members kind of leaked it on Reddit. Or sorry, it was Reddit, not Twitter. And then like I... I you know, half-ass, like, jokingly, tongue-in-cheek, quote-tweeted, because back in, like, 2018, just because I saw on Instagram, Demarius Randall was going into surgery. So I just tweeted, Demarius, <laughs> according to sources, Demarius Randall is going into surgery today. Please credit me, because I'm the first one to report it. And I was. I was the first person to report that he was getting surgery. But it's like, it doesn't, you know, who really gives a shit? And like you're saying, Billy, anyone could say it. But then at the same time, you know, there, a lot of, sometimes blogger boys can be right about things. But then, a piece that I always reference is Tom Silverstein in 2018, 2019, talking about the GM search and how Mark Murphy didn't allow Darren Rizzi to get hired and all that. It's like something like that. And there's so many different sources in there and it's so intricate, you know, the whole, how it's going on behind the scenes, a blogger boy isn't going to get any of that shit, but someone who lives in green Bay and who has been there for 30 years reporting on the team, they can report on shit like that. But, uh, and, and so the blogger boys, you know, I'm not saying they can't be right, but the percentage of the time that they're right, in my mind, is far less than mm-hmm. the percentage of the time as a Silverstein or a Wildey or whoever that is on the beat and has been for 20 plus years. Like a big a big guy can report something and it's news. A blogger boy can report it, but it's not really news until it's confirmed by someone else. Correct. That's what it usually comes down to. But uh, yeah, let's take news. Uh, I don't have any, is Kyle an idiot because we never do at the end of the season, Bill? Do you have some spenny? Perfect. Excellent. So moving on, the offseason preview, just very briefly here, we can look at free agents. Sadly, some Packer players that will be leaving us. First off, you know, salary cap, all that, we're starting to get out of cap hell in my, you know, Ken Ingles, uh, sport track, whatever, calculator, if the Packers cut David Bakhtiari and cut Devondre Campbell, they will have about $20 million in cap space next year. Now, the draft ca- the draft class is probably going to cost, I think it's like $12 million, $13 million. So, depending on more finagling, we'll have about $8 million to play with, potentially. Aaron Jones, maybe he'll get restructured. Some other guys might get restructured. Jordan Love's going to have to get a new contract eventually, probably next season at some point. He, we do still have uh, one more year under contract, but guys who are free agents and we'll rip through them. Let's just answer yes or no. If you want them back. All right. Yash Nyman. No, no. Yeah. I don't want him either. Keyshawn Nixon. If the price is right. I'll say, yeah. Yeah. That's where I'm at too. I, I want him back, but I kind of just want him. It's kind of that weird thing where I didn't mind bringing Devon house back in the day, but then we played him so much. It's like, I'd like him back as a reserve player and as a returner, and that's it. Darnell Savage. Can I give a little <laughs> bit of background on this when I say yes? Uh-oh, I suppose. Just in case, <clears throat> because <clears throat> Half does play... What, did I say his name right? Half Halfley. Halfley. Halfley does bring mm-hmm. three safeties in in the nickel. Hmm. He could play a box safety role. I really like Darnell Savage. So, yes, for that reason. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no, too. It's just, I 
I don't have Rudy Ford written down here. Maybe he's not a free agent, but I'd rather have. Oh, he no, that's Jonathan. He's Ford. not. Oh, that's funny. Sport Track is wrong. They have Jonathan Ford written, but it's Rudy Ford. Unless that's his real name, it's Jonathan and not Rudy, because Jonathan Ford is the is the big oh, boy defensive yeah. tackle. But I was yeah. going to say I I would like Rudy Ford back actually. I'd rather have Rudy than Darnell for sure. One he can play special teams and two I think he was a more consistent player. What if his name Rudy? is Jonathan Ford? Yeah, I, I guess Rudy probably isn't on his birth certificate, but what's what, what what's does Rudy track in... say for his position? Free safety. Free safety. Yeah. Well then yes, that's Rudy Ford. Did he go to Auburn? Oh. I think so. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. AJ Dillon this is a big one here. AJ Dillon. <laughs> No. No. Okay. Billy had me worried there. I would say no unless he wants to turn into a fullback and delete his Instagram account. Eric Wilson. Not even then. No. Yeah. I would take Eric Eric Wilson back. He's going to be cheap. Good special teamer. I would agree with that. And also, if we do move to the the 4-3, I feel like we're really thin at linebacker, so we need depth. Yeah, I mean, God, he didn't play very well in spots at the second half of the year. But uh, yeah, I would, I'd bring him back too. Again, special teams captain. Come on, we gotta, we we need to have these guys for Rich because we know he's not going to be able to coach anyone up. Uh, Josiah Deguara. Now, no. nope. R.I.P. and peace. Yeah, a guy who never was. We'll always have that one screen pass against the Lions in Jordan Love's uh, debut in twenty 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 one, I believe twenty twenty one. Yeah, Tyler Davis. The only thing with Tyler Davis is he is going to be so cheap. So he he could come back. Coming off an ACL and even before that, I think he was really just a guy. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say yeah, just because I'm a loser and I like seeing him doing the shit on the sideline. It seems like he's he's a good team guy. And there, was, there wasn't hype around him, but they were saying he looked – for how much he struggled in 2022 during training camp, he looked pretty good before tearing his ACL in. Again, to have a good special teams guy, another tight end, I guess we'll see. I mean, you could always cut him, too, so I wouldn't mind it. Zane Anderson, we don't have to talk about him. John Runyon? Mm. Um, He's tricky. You got to draft, draft a guard if you don't, if you walk from him. That's tough. We got Sean Ryan? I, we got the we got Caleb Jones reliable. and Luke Tenuta, the tackles. You know, there's some Sean guys. Ryan is too much of a liability in the pass game, unfortunately. Um, I would say bring him back. I would bring him back, but I unfortunately think he's priced himself out of Green Bay. Yeah, I think so too. I don't think he'd want to come back on a reserve role, and I think people saw right. it too. Oh god, <laughs> that was okay. Ah, oh, fuck. I am. I am going to do it. Okay. So you know, John Runyon. He was a fifth, sixth round pick. Solid career with the Packers. You know, we didn't expect a lot out of him. We're going to play this clip of uh, John Runyon, what he had to say, you know, when it all, you know, started flowing into him where he's realizing his day as a Packer is probably over. What does it mean to wear the jeans? I'm sorry. That was awesome. I don't know. There's a better organization out there. Is there a moment during your time here? What it means to be a I think it's just just the brotherhood. It's unreal. It's an organization. Everybody inside. Um, and the people out of the facility. The, the fans. It's a special place. Um, 
met some really good people here. Um, I hope I don't leave. It was a good time. Really appreciate it. Okay, and now we have uh, another clip. This is A.J. Dillon, the second-round pick who, you know, the mayor of Door County. He loves Green Bay. He loves everything about the Packers, you know. This is what uh, A.J. Dillon had to say after the game talking to the media. A.J. Dillon did not talk to the media after the game or uh, cleaning out his locker, much like the month of October when he refused to talk to the media when he was struggling. So, wow, thanks thanks for those words, A.J. You really do love Green Bay. Really hope we uh, bring it back. Uh, he's he's going to take out a full-page goodbye, though. Just wait. On his Instagram. He's not going to spend money to actually no, put it in the No, in the paper. newspaper in Door County. Maybe Dork County. I would. Uh, I don't know if players still do that. I remember like Greg Jennings and shit did that back in the day. I don't know if they still do that though. And then a couple other guys. I mean, Caleb Jones, Daniel Whelan, Benny Sapp, Patrick Taylor, Bo Melton. They are they're all uh, restricted free agents or exclusive I like, free agents. I like Whelan. I, oh, I, I like all those guys. Why not? I think they're all going to come Jones, back. Caleb Jones, I don't know. You think he comes back? For sure. I think they'll all come back except for Patrick Taylor. I think he was kind of lucky to come back to the Packers for the did second you, half of the year. Did you say Jonathan Owens? Uh, I might have crossed him off. I think he's a free agent, though, too. Yeah, no, I didn't. Yeah. Do we want him uh, back? No. Yeah, I don't really. Maybe no. maybe they will for the clicks and Simone Biles. Everybody likes him because he's Simone Biles' husband, but if he was married to literally anybody else in the world, mm-hmm. well, other than Taylor Swift, I guess. But <laughs> oh, Other yeah. than that, nobody cares about him. God, I'm sorry. Had, I'm sorry. A, I'm sure he's a great guy. He had a bad game, too. Remember him trying to tackle Kittle, and he just ran him over and picked up another, like, 15 yards? Just uh-huh. embarrassing. Uh, last thing, draft prospects, you know, we have the 25th, the 41st, the 58th, the 88th, and the 91st pick. So that's one first-round pick, two seconds, and two-thirds in the top 100, which is pretty good. We're also going to we'll get a couple of compensatory picks as well. It sounds like we'll get a fifth-rounder for Alan Lazard, which is pretty hilarious nice. with him being a healthy scratch a few times. But I don't know if we have to talk about specific prospects here, but what do you guys hope we do in the early rounds of the NFL draft? I think <clears throat> corner safety and potentially, you know, a mid-round uh, lineman, just depending on what happens. If running walks, I think you got to fill running's got to be a gone. Bit. Yeah. <clears throat> the I think we need to take safety and linebacker relatively high, which worries me because we've historically undervalued both positions. <laughs> I also think we need to take a running back at some point. I'm not going to say it needs to be day one, day two, right. but get somebody to, to play behind Aaron Jones and then maybe take over a year from now. I think it's the taking multiple late-round running back strategy. We have to employ mm-hmm. that. Yep. Well, they talked about uh, Braylon Allen, the running the uh, old Wisconsin. I should say old, young Wisconsin running back, but there, there isn't really – I don't think anyone's projected to – go in the first or second round uh, from the running back spot this year, which has kind of been the trend outside of last year when Gibbs and uh, Robinson went that early. But I'm a Wisconsin guy. I love Wisconsin football. I love Braylon Allen. I do not want him on the Green Bay Packers because he just oh. he looks like another A.J. Dillon to me. Like, Sure, he can run away from college guys, but get him into the pros, mm. and all of a sudden he's not running over guys anymore, and he's not running away from them. Interesting. Yeah, I 
I mean, the guy I want is Tyler Newbin. I think we talked about that in the past, the gopher safety, just because uh, we sent him a Christmas card this year. So I'm hoping we could maybe get him on the podcast. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy, too, because he's... Did, he's did you put to a, like a request on round. the Christmas card? No, nah, that'd be too much. We have uh, my dog, Yellow's Paw, on it with like dirt or some shit. I think that was I'm disappointed I didn't get a Christmas card, Spencer. Eh, we only sent out a handful of them. There was also the Alabama slot corner... Tarian Arnold, he's he was like the highest graded uh, run stuffing corner in college football last year, and he plays with that tenacity. So something like that, I would love on defense, especially with hopefully replacing Keyshawn in that spot. I was watching some highlights and doing some mocks last night <clears throat> with a buddy of mine, and they had we watched uh, Malachi Corley out of Western Kentucky. Cool name. He is electric. He's like a little bit smaller version of Debo. So Ooh. that is like on my wish list. And then there's the um, there's a dude from USC who plays safety. Um, uh, Kalen or Callan Bullock. Dude, those two guys. Those are on my Christmas wish list okay. uh, f- for the draft. I would assume we're going to take a safety fairly early, at least with one of those top three, five picks, I'd say, because that's, once again, pretty valuable in uh, Jeff's. I like, I like saying Jeff because I keep Halfy. It's like a new last name. Like every Halfly. You know, ha- it's so hard to remember. Every few weeks or months, you know, you come across a new last name you've never heard before. Halfly ain't never heard that before. But again, with that single high shit, you would think you'd want to have a pretty, I don't know, explosive safety. So... It know. feels like another defensive heavy draft early, mm-hmm. yeah, which what? isn't very reassuring because, boy, we've had right. way too many of those in the last 10 to 15 years. Yeah, we'll see. And Goody today in the presser didn't, I mean, not like he would, but uh, say he's going to change his philosophy. But he said a new DC isn't going to change the way that he's going to draft too much. And again, didn't really say much of anything in his presser. The only thing, and I quote tweeted <laughs> He said, uh, yeah, they thought about replacing Anders, but when they looked out at all the veterans that are out there, he was the best of who was available. It's like, Goody, y- you can find a better way to answer that question than to say he was the best option. Like, fuck off with that shit. Again, I, I know the Mason Crosby stuff we've talked about a little bit too, but we would have felt a hell of a lot better with Mason Crosby trotting out there to make a, what, 39? How long was the field goal? 39-yard field goal? Ugh, not even worth yeah, talking I don't about. Even I thought it was longer again. than yeah. that, but yeah. still. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the season. That's all we got. Nice little shorter podcast here, I believe. We'll see how how it ends up. But uh, yeah, guys, this is the fifth season of doing the podcast, which is pretty fucking wild. I think we're up to like wild 120 something, 130 episodes. And again, thanks for listening. You know, I say it every year. It's uh, pretty cool how, you know, I was like a fucking kid being 14 years old, going to Lambo, trying to get autographs. And now we've got people who turn tune in every week and listen to me and a couple of buddies talk about the Packers this year. You know, I mean, downloads have been fine and all of that, but it's cool because with more of the analytics and for an hour and a half long podcast or average listen is like 85, 90 percent, probably way too in the weeds here. But for people to listen to a you know, as we always say, a few idiots talk about the Packers is pretty cool. So I'm very happy that uh, everyone tunes in every week and listens to the pod. Um, Maybe to entice the 15% that don't listen all the way through. They're already gone. <laughs> <coughs> Dang it. We're in the last well, 15. <laughs> shit. Okay. 
Well, there's bonus audio yes. at the end sometimes. Yes. That I enjoy. So maybe you will too. Yeah. Sometimes we talk about sausages. This time it's we're probably gonna it's probably gonna be the zoo talk that we had between yeah between why not there but uh, yeah uh, only other thing oh shout out to Jake who emailed in uh, he told us to or asked not not exactly politely but he's in a band called Turbo Pastel which is a local band here in the cities and you know you get that email you know he said you know, and he actually emailed a few years ago and asked for a koozie sent it to him. And he's like, hey, you should put my band in the outro. I'm like, eh, I don't know. And then I listen to it. And I'm like, oh, the, fuck, you guys are actually pretty good. And he actually, I know you guys don't know who Eric Koskinen is, who's you know a local alternative country artist, and he plays guitar for Dead Man Winter, which is uh, the side project for, uh, God, da- David Simonette. This the, is why people aren't listening yep, all the way yep, through. The, the lead guy for Trampled by Turtle is his side project. He plays guitar for him, Eric Koskinen. But... <laughs> He did talk to Eric Hoskinen about uh, the podcast, apparently, and oh. brought it up. I didn't get any more information out of him on it, but uh, he did say that Eric is a Packers fan, which I did not oh. know. So, so we're not getting sued by Eric What if Hoskinen. he's a listener? I highly doubt that. I, I'm kind of pissed because I, I think I was in Mexico when Dead Man Winter played at First Ave last week because eventually I'm going to run into him and bring it up like i talked to him once at the turf club after he it doesn't nobody cares about this shit but uh yeah that's the season you guys have anything else we'll uh we'll be sporadic here on out we'll probably have a couple other guys coming in and out just with draft stuff i'm hoping to get jake shavink back on too for the draft to uh you can follow him on twitter he does some great stuff on youtube as well but uh yeah you guys have anything else before we close out for the season we'll probably Maybe bi-weekly, every couple of weeks. I don't know. If news pops up, we'll talk about the Packers. So you guys got anything else? It was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening. Really exciting season ahead. It was a 41-yard field goal by Anders. <laughs> I had to fact check. Okay, okay. Go Pack Go. All right. And with that, Eric Hoskinen, please don't sue us. Texas, right next to Mexico. Ooh, how was that? What was the most exotic animal? Rhinos. Oh, rhinos are the best. Rhinos are the best. And so we went there on a Monday. The animals were super active. Maybe because it was morning. I'm not sure. And it was a little bit cooler. No, they were just (coughs) relaxed from the weekend. Yeah, the weekend sounds super relaxing at the zoo. (laughs) Everything was moving. The reptiles were all moving. You know when you go in there and like not a single thing. You're like, these could all be dead. The boa constrictor is always just in a ball. The the uh, reticulated python are reticulated, I think. That, uh, that's the a giraffe. Dude. Yeah, I, I'm not a snake guy. <laughs> Whatever the the big boa constrictor looking thing is, I think it's reticulated. But there is a reticulated giraffe also. Yeah, that's what I'm. <clears throat> 
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.